This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I'll never be the same again. Come on. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Best shout ever. Open those Bibles to Acts chapter 2 and let's read together. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they ex exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Persia. Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. Now what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. For death could not keep him in its grip. King David said this about him. I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts his praises. My body rests in hope, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life, and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. Dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself. For he died and was buried, and his tomb is still here among us. 
but he was a prophet, and he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne. David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. For David himself never ascended into heaven, yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and even to the Gentiles, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had, they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Hallelujah. Can you say amen to the reading of the Bible? You may be seated. Thank you, Justin. He always inspires me to read better. <laughs> oh, I appreciate you. Thank you, Justin. Acts chapter 2. I want to talk to you. We're in a series, if you're new, from the book of Acts. Because I've been really challenged myself. For those of you that may not know my story, I started pastoring in 1996. And I was, you know, early 30s. And I was just, man, I'm going to change the world attitude. Like, I'm just going to revolutionize the world. Me and Jesus, me and Jesus. And, uh, you know, I started out really well. And then I realized the more I got in, and especially this last several year, this last year of my life probably, I have really asked the hard questions to me personally. Not, you know, not for shepherding a church, but just for my own personal sake of am I on the right track with Jesus? And so March 3rd, we launched out the book of Acts to take a 2,000-year-old book and apply it to our lives, which seems rather irrelevant. Like how, how can a 2,000-year-old book speak so clearly right now to our moment? And as I was thinking about it, I just began to go through it and read it and realize, man, there's probably a lot in my personal life that I'm falling short on what a true Christian and disciple should look like. You heard what Justin just read out of Acts chapter 2, that 
They devoted themselves daily. They, they shared everything they had. They, I mean, it was just seemingly to me a far cry different from what I grew up, what I grew up in and what I see. Like I believe a lot of church today is more of an organization rather than a community. And, and it's more of a production rather than the presence of Jesus in the life of God's people. And so I'm not putting anybody down because I'm putting myself in that category too. So I'm talk, when I'm talking, I'm talking to myself too because I'm trying to work this out for us. And uh, so it's meaningful because what I definitely want to shy away from is just going to church to go to church. I want it to be meaningful to all of us because I know when we walk out those doors... Uh, we all go back to our 50 feet. You'll hear that a lot here. We all go back to our 50 feet to represent Jesus. And to me, this here should just be the charging moment where God speaks to me and where he captivates my heart. And then as we read, during the end of him captivating your heart, whether it's through the music or the message, we come together and we say, God, what do I need to do? That's the beauty of being here this morning. The beauty of being here this morning is the Holy Spirit already knew you were coming. And if He knew you were coming ahead of time because He's eternal, then He's already prepared a meal for you today. He's going to talk to you somehow, maybe through, through a song, maybe just through talking to another person here. But He's going to capture your heart. And when He does, it's because He wants to move you forward. He doesn't want you stuck. He wants your life progressing. And he wants you, I love what the final verse said. It said, and they added to their fellowship daily. As a matter of fact, Derek, would you just put verse 47 back up? And I just want you to look at something because it's where I want to go today. I'm going to attempt to do something I've never done. And it's to take us through the book of Acts chapter by chapter each week. So... And then pull something out of it that's meaningful to all of us. And I'll attempt to do that today. But just look at this one thing because I think this is intriguing to me. The, the last two lines. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Does that sound like Sunday morning to you? Each day. Each day. That's Monday through Sunday. So what, when I read that this week, it dawned on me, in the early church life, they just assumed it happened all the time. And we've assumed that it happens on Sunday for about an hour. And to them, it, just, it was my life. It happens everywhere I go. The presence of Jesus is with me all the time. It's not just the presence of Jesus is here today. I walk out the door, the presence of Jesus in the parking lot. I go to Ingalls, the presence of Jesus is with me there. I go to my job, the presence of Jesus is with me there. And as I'm walking with this presence of Jesus, I can suddenly, if I, if I shift, and this is where I want to take us today, if I suddenly shift from what I think, I can start expecting people to be saved every day because I walk the planet. Now, maybe not saved in, I gave my heart to Jesus saved. Let's take it beyond that. The word saved is this, it, it, it's a word that just encompasses every part of your being. 
The Greek is the word, I'm not going to go deep, but is sozo. And it just means wholeness, completeness, joy, hope, life, it fulfillment, satisfaction, contentment. I mean, it's just all the words that we need that we look for in other stuff is Jesus. When he says, I saved you, it's definitely not just from hell. He saved me into a brand new life of emotions and, and physicality. And, and, and every part of my being has been saved. So when I go, and I, Mark Evans walks around during the week, and I begin to think in, in my fellowship with other believers and in my fellowship with Jesus, daily people could come to know the salvation of God. Because I'm going to bring joy into the room when I go into the room. I'm going to bring peace into the room when I go into the room. Now if the devil knows that, holy smokes. All he's got to do is get us selfish. And I want to talk to you about why this is so important. Why this thinking is. So go to Acts chapter 2 if you will. You just heard Ryan or Justin read it for us. But here's my comment on it. We have two groups of people with two different reactions and results. I want you to look at verse 5. And at that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And then I want you to slide down, if you will. And I want you to look at this, verse 42. And the believers devoted themselves. And then it gives a litany of what they devoted themselves to. There's two groups of devout people in this story. There's the people that are devoted to their religion. They're, they understand all the religiosity. They, they know the law. They, they could probably quote Moses' Ten Commandments. They probably were pretty astute at what the expectations that were placed upon their religious lives, such as you can't get a donkey out of a ditch on a Saturday. They probably knew a lot of religious things. But one thing for certain we know is that there was no life coming through them. And then in verse 42, we see another group of devout people, except these devout people are expressing the life of God inside their reality. Like to both of them, it's real. To one, the reality is my religion. I toe the line, I keep the rules, I do everything required of me to do to get God on my side to be pleased with me. And yet there is no life change, there is no community change, there is no culture change, there is nothing changing except the fact that I'm just consistently moving forward inside my own selfish desires to be more holy so God will think better of me. It's all about me. And this other group of devout people are who are going to later become Christians. They're not called that yet. They're believers, but they believe in Jesus. But their devotion is shaking up the entire town. So it makes me wonder if a town is not being shaken. If the place I work is not being shaken, I wonder which devout team I'm on. If, if my life is not pushing forward any sense of difference, 
if people who work with me and, and know me are not seeing a difference of myself in the streets demonstrating the life of God, then no matter what I think, I'm on team A, I'm just a devout religious person. I pray, I read my Bible, I give my tithe, I give my offerings, I serve on a team, I go to serve day, I wear the t-shirts, I got the logos, I have the church bumper sticker, and I'm on the team of devout. And I love when I'm on that team because I feel good about myself. But what if we have traded that devout for the devout that says... I'm on the team that says the kingdom of God is manifesting in my life every day. People get healed when I'm in the room. People find joy when I come into the room. Because I carry Christ, not because I'm so supernaturally spiritual, but because I'm carrying the presence of God Almighty. And in this chapter, when these believers are in an upper room, something began to happen so profound that the devout religious people responded with, what in the Sam Hill's this? It was so foreign to them. We hear them speaking a language we've never heard. How could this be? How could they be talking in our tongue? They don't know our tongue. And you, you, you understand that there's one thing about devout religion. Devout religion struggles with the supernatural power of God. Devout religious people are great in their devotion to religion. But when it forces me to get out of my box of religion and begin to hold on to supernatural anointed power, that makes me nervous. It gets me out of my comfort zone. It gets me out of a place of feeling like that I'm in control. Because these 120 believers, it doesn't seem like they're in control. I wish I was, well, I don't wish I was there. I don't want to go back 2,000 years. I can only imagine for them it was an experience they've never experienced before. They've never spoken in tongues. They've never known a fire. They've never had the Holy Spirit in them. So for them it was brand spanking new. To be sitting there in an upper room and then all of a sudden... Dude, what was that? I don't know. The wind's blowing. Well, dude, your hair's on fire. Your hair's on fire. And all of a sudden, they're, they're little fire tongues, and all the women are trying to pat their hair out. They're like, oh, God, oh, God. And then all of a sudden, and all of a sudden, the people in their streets are like, what in God's name is going on? We hear these people speaking the praises of God. You see what's happening in Acts chapter 2. As we said in Acts 1 last week, God is shifting a mentality. The mentality in Acts 1 that had to be shifted is that the believer has to quit treating Jesus as a slave. And we become his slave. In Acts chapter 2, the mentality that has to shift, and I'll put it on the screen for you, is logic and reason. Logic and reason, hold that one, take that one off just a minute and I'll, I'll talk about it and then I'll pull that one up. Logic and reason, it's the ability to serve God but never be comfortable to see the supernatural. I'm just content to read the Bible, 
as you saw, as a devotional book. I'm just content with logic and reason. And any time it pulls me out of that, I'll, I don't know. I'm going to stick with my religion, man. I'm going to stick with what I'm comfortable with. In Acts chapter 2, God blows the door off of logic. People speaking in a language they do not know is ludicrous. To sit there and go, is ludicrous. Not one of you in this room would have been spiritual enough to have thought that up. Hey, how do you think we could demonstrate the power of God? Joey? Yes? Okay. Jump higher. Oh, I love that. Jump higher. Oh, let's all jump higher. And then everybody in the room, like, ah, I'm jumping as high as I can jump. And then people with bad knees are like, trying our best to jump. Yes, Susie in the back, how can we know more of the power of God? I think we could raise our hands and sing louder. Yes, singing louder. More demonstrative in our worship. Oh, that's so brilliant. Yes, Bobby in the back, I think we could start giving more. We're too stingy. Yes, brilliant, giving more. And now we have jumping people who are sweating, people who are giving out the yazoo, people who are shouting and cheering, and we're looking around going, man, God's in the room today. And the Lord's like, no, I'm not. That's y'all's idea. That's what, that's what you think the room is full of me. That's your own logic. Boys, Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go wait in an upper room because something's going to happen. What? Not even going to tell you. You wouldn't believe it. Tell me what's going to happen. No. I'm just going to tell you the Holy Ghost is coming. And when he does, just, just buckle up, boys. Because your brain won't even be able to understand what I'm about to do. And 120 of them left their Jewish mentality of logic and reason of the Ten Commandments and religiosity. And for 10 days in an upper room, they sat in expectation. Watch. They sat in expectation of, I don't know. What are you waiting on? Don't know. How will you know when it gets here? I don't know. But we're waiting. On what? Dude, I told you we don't know. You see, that, that just messes with the religious brain. And what Acts chapter 2 is doing is shifting us from logic and reason into the expectation of the supernatural power of God. It's shifting us out of my own wisdom and my own understanding and it's pushing me into a wisdom and mind and understanding of God. Because I will tell you this from my own logical reason, perspective, speaking in tongues is the dumbest thing I could have thought of. And we even teach it that way sometimes. Oh, it's just of the devil. It's just a bunch of shoot a pecan down, tie my bow tie, who stole a Honda. It's just a bunch of gibberish, jibber, jib, jibber, 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 jubi. You know, just real fast. You got it, brother. Praise God, sister. You know. I mean, even 2,000 years later, it's still so ludicrous. It's just the baptism. Ugh, I don't know. I don't think it's for me. Of course it's not for you. You're logical. I don't think the power of the Spirit's for me, the speaking in tongues. Of course you don't. You're a human. Humans would never dream this up. Humans will eat more pizza. That's how we show our devotion to God. We go to the pizza buffet and order twice as much and give a big tip. That shows I'm in love with Jesus. I gave 30% tip. 
That, that, that is why speaking in tongues until Jesus returns is always going to seem ludicrous and illogical and unreasonable and stupid because it was God's idea and not ours. And that just bothers us. I wanted it to make sense to me. Okay, it's not going to make sense to you. You're a human. Well, I don't want to talk in a language I don't know. <laughs> I want to talk in a language I do know. And if I do talk in a language I don't know, I don't want to be some dumb language. I want it to sound cool. Like when I talk, I sound like kitty, 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 kitty. I feel like I'm calling a cat. Kitty, 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 kitty. And then I hear somebody else, man, they sound like, I mean, this is like, and it's like, oh, man, I wish I sounded that way. So can you put yourself in that moment? We've been around 2,000 years. We've had time to get YouTube videos on it and write books about it. But can you imagine being in the moment where supernatural smacks reason in the forehead? And in that moment, 3,000 people come to Christ. Because God is showing us, if you will get out of your religiosity and your reason and your logic, and you will step into a world of supernatural. I, God of heaven, will blow your mind with my power. I will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. I will attract the unbelief. I'll, I'm going to just, I'm just going to go on a rant. All right, let me rant and then come back later, buy me some Mexican, I'll be happy. But I need to rant a minute. Do you genuinely, in your gut, in your gut, do you genuinely think that the kind of music we play or the kind of message we preach, real shallow, is what draws unsaved people to God? Are we that stupid to think that the cool music I play is going to draw the unsaved soul into the kingdom? Or my little sweet message on Sunday is going to make a soul go, I think I want Jesus. That's our reasoning. Our reasoning is my music might draw in a sinner. My reasoning is my message might make someone repent. That is ludicrous. What makes it work is God... This is bad language. This is, this is redneck English. I ain't got a clue what to do. To change somebody's soul. So get me out of my reason and my logic of thinking my guitar players and the way my stage looks and the way the ambiance of the room feels is what people want. God in heaven, blow our mind with your power. I mean, really. And yet we just fill Sunday morning up with logic and reason. With no power at all. I don't know. I can't say none. But I, I often hear people go, where's the power? Like I used to see the power in the book of Acts. And that's fun to talk about in a podcast. Oh, where's the power of God, man? Well, I just don't understand that. The power of God's still here. You know, we'd see miracles. And, and I'm like, no, the reason you don't see any miracles is because you're sitting around a podcast table talking about it rather than doing it. If it bothers you so well, get up out of the podcast table and go to Ingles and start letting God use you. 
Does that make sense? All right, I got to, my wife's not here today, so I got to reel myself back in because usually I just look at her and she'll be going. <laughs> I go, okay, I get that. But she's not here, so I can be a little more angry. Uh, <laughs> am I making sense? All right, logic and reason. Acts chapter 2, Acts 1 is the death and the shifting of Jesus being our slave to me being his. Acts chapter 2 is God shifting the kingdom out of logic and reason and into an expectation of the supernatural. So let me ask you a hard question as we get ready to come for communion in a moment. Do you come to this gathering weekly with an overwhelming desire to experience something supernatural? Or do you just come because I've got to serve? Or do you just come because, well, it's my church home? Or do you really come in the door going, man, today, God, let me encounter your presence. And if there's anything in my life that's not supernatural and I'm leaning on my own self and I'm leaning to my own power and I'm leaning to my own logic. I'm trying to figure out my bills myself. I'm trying to figure out my future for myself. I'm trying to figure out my marriage for myself. God, in your presence today, may I encounter something that blows my logic off of the planet. Because humans, I like logic. I like to figure it out. I'm a figurer, a figure outerer. That felt good. I'm a figure outerer. Somebody make me a t-shirt and put a hashtag on it. I don't know, it just felt good. I like to figure it out. I like to make sense. But what I know is I read about the kingdom. There are just some things that don't. And God's just going, trust me, man. Just trust me. But what would happen if we started expecting the supernatural of God to come in the room? Would I have to stand a little longer? Sit a little quieter? What would he demand of my logic? I don't really know if I want to go over and be prayed for today. I mean, I'm a busy. I don't want to bother people. That's your logic. Well, I'm going to take communion because that's what we do before we leave. That's your logic. What if I come to this table this morning and I go, God, man, encounter your supernatural work of Christ. The sickness is in my body. When the, oh, I, when I take the bread, the sickness that's in my body will die because of the blood and body of Jesus Christ. When I take this bread today, the bitterness in my heart toward the person that hurt me will die because of the supernatural work Jesus. When I take this bread today, the pain of my hurt and my, my void and, and my grief, oh God, when I touch the bread and it touches my lip, may my grief die. May my pain die. May my hurt die. You see, that's supernatural. Religious is, I don't want to get any juice on me. Oh, and I don't like it when that person dips in front of me. Oh, and they left a crumb of bread. I can't go to that one. It's got a floating crumb in it. Oh, I've got to go to this one. I do that, by the way. I'm like, oh, I don't want to go to that bowl. That's why I'm always first. 
You thought I was first because I was a pastor. No, I'm first because I don't like to dip behind somebody with dirty fingernails, all right? <laughs> so if that's you, you need to get up here first. Like, man, everybody's rushing to the table today to be first. That's because we freak out. I don't want to get germs. That's logic. Logic is, well, I'm going to give God a little. There's a 10. There you go. Oh, Jesus, I hope. That's logic. Logic is, I hope when they pray for me, it works. I've been prayed for before and it didn't work. That's logic. Supernatural. When I go to this table, I touch that bread, I will encounter Jesus. And when that money leaves my kingdom and goes into his kingdom, it will encounter Jesus. And when they lay their hands on me, I don't know what I'm going to feel. But in between their hand and my head, it's going to come the supernatural power of God. Is everybody trekking with me this morning? So I want to show you what has to shift in your life, and then we're going to take communion. Number one, Derek, put that back up if you will. You have to shift from the Bible being a great devotional book. <laughs> you see, for the religious person, the Bible's just a good book. I do my devotions to feel better about myself. I do a daily devotion. I follow Pastor Mark on daily Bible reading. It's so good, I feel charged up. But if you go back and look at what Peter said in Acts chapter 2, it's right at the top. He said in verse 16, you don't have to put it up. You can leave that on the screen. I'll just read it. Verse 16, know what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. You see, logic and reason says the Bible's just a good devotional book. But a kingdom thinker, this is what they think about the Bible. The Bible will manifest itself in my reality. It's not just a devotional book. Its pages are going to come to life in my life. That's the prophet Joel. 2003, I don't know, I'm not a historian, but thousands of years before the book of Acts, Joel's writing down something. Oh, on the day of Pentecost, you know, they'll pour out my power. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. I don't know what they thought about Joel. Maybe he was a weird dude, but he's writing something down. And then Joel puts it out there in his little prophet scroll. And people are like, oh, it's Joel. Joel, Joel said this. Oh, Joel. Oh, look at Joel. He says, there he goes again. Everybody's going to be saved. The whole world. Sons and daughters prophesy. <laughs> and then thousands of years later, in an upper room, when logic and reason bumps into supernatural, everybody in the streets going, they're just drunk. That's all. And Peter stands up and says, I'm not drunk. The word of God is being fulfilled in my reality. Something written thousands of years ago is manifesting itself in my reality. And to you and your logic, you think I'm drunk. But in God's kingdom, eternal power, His scriptures are manifesting themselves in my life. So I ask you before you come to the table, do you read the Bible expecting it to manifest itself in your reality? When you read it, do you think, let this happen in me? Let, this, let that happen in me today, Jesus. 
Oh, I read that if they lay hands on the sick, I'll recover. Let that happen in me today, God. I read that the fruit of the Spirit is peace. Let your peace. You see, that is kingdom. Kingdom is scripture manifests itself in my reality. Logic is, yeah, it's a good book. I read it last week. That has to shift. If we as a group of believers do not shift in what we think about the Bible, we will just be devoted people who are stuck in logic and reason. Oh, we can quote it. He shall give his angels charge over you, keep you in all ways. Boom! We can tattoo it on ourselves. But is it manifesting? I would love to ask people who had their bodies tattooed and their scriptures all over their refrigerators. And Okay, great. That's your logic devotion to God. But is that verse of ink coming alive? Is your refrigerator talking to people? If it does, call me. I want to see it. <laughs> the second thing that has to shift, this is going to sting a mite. It's going to sting worse than the other one. Logic and reason has turned the church into one person, me, one place, believers, and on one day, Sunday. That's logic and reason. And we have built kingdoms around this. Oh, dude, that one person, he, he's anointed. You ought to come hear him. You ought to hear my preacher. Oh, man, he preaches better than anybody out there. Oh, it's so good. He ain't born or nothing. He talks about bras and smoking weed. Oh, man, he's awesome. You ought to come hear him. Where do you meet? Oh, we meet at 2981 Bomar Road. Oh, it's beautiful. You should see our sanctuary. It's got beams. It looks like, it looks like a living room. <laughs> when do you meet? On Sunday. We give you two chances on that day, though. 9.15, 11.15. Just in case you're too lazy to get here at one, you can come to the other. Logic and reason. And we love our logic and reason so much that we hashtag the one person. And we put bumper stickers on our car so you can find us. And we invite our friends to come to that one special day. We call it Sunday after Jesus. It's awesome. So good there. You'll be in in about two hours. You'll be out. It's not a lot. That's logic and reason. And we have built a kingdom in the south called the Bible Belt around one person, one place, and one day. This is just my opinion. I'm not putting myself down here. But if you're coming for me to wow you and impress you, I got a whole lot of pressure. Because that's logic and reason. I better get a good one today. No telling who's going to be here. And then somebody new walks in the door, and I'm like, oh, I'm teaching on tithing today. I didn't want to do that with new people. Right? Here is the shift that has to take place. Every person, every place, every day. And it has nothing to do with me or this building or this location. It has everything to do with you. And where you are 
and what you're doing. And if we will shift, 3,000 people will get saved. Back it up one. If we don't shift, we have to have baptisms about twice a year. Because nobody's getting saved. But if we shift a kingdom, every week people are encountering Jesus. Every person, every place, and every day. Open your Bibles, if you will. I'm going to ask the praise team to come up and let's prepare our hearts for communion. And listen to this. It's all the way at the very bottom. Verse 42, as we read, and your heart's prepared. All the believers devoted themselves, Acts 2.42, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. And a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs. I love this. Listen. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. That's the gathering. They sold property, possessions, shared the money with those in need. I love it. Listen, listen. Let it soak deep in. They worshiped together at the temple every day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, not one day, each day the Lord added to their fellowship those that are being saved. Would you bow your head? Focus your heart now as we prepare for communion. This is your chance to respond. What in your life has logic and reason put to death from the supernatural move of God in your life? Are you trying to figure your marriage out with logic and reason? Your future with logic and reason? God, what should I do? I don't know. I'm confused. It doesn't make sense. A, B, B, C, C, D. Oh, I just wish... Oh. Logic and reason will sit at a table and put all the positives on one side and all the negatives on the other. Oh, God. But will you just expect the supernatural power of God to work? And today, when you come to this table, will you die to logic and reason alone and say, God, I want to encounter you at this table today. And if you need anything, devote yourself to go over to the corner to my left and your right and have one of these brothers and sisters pray for you. They're ready to pray for you to encounter the supernatural presence of God. Husband and wife, are you struggling in your marriage? Then let them pray for you. Are you having financial difficulties? Let them pray for you. Are you sick? Let them anoint you with oil and pray for you. But expect the supernatural, whatever it is. And the way we're going to end today is how we're going to begin to end every week. I'm just asking the band to lead us in worship. And they're just going to lead us in worship as long as we're taking communion. And when communion is over, to you, not to us. But when you feel like the Lord has released you from this room, feel free to slip out. But before you do, take a moment and really focus your heart with God. You might want to come to the communion table and go back and just sit for a moment. You, you may want to sing with the band. You may want to go over for prayer. So there's not going to be like this official ending. It, we just want to make room for you to encounter Jesus. We just want to make room for you to encounter the supernatural presence of God. So Father, right now, as we prepare our heart, 
to come to your table and respond to this message. I pray that we will look deep inside our heart today and say, God, what is it in my life that needs to shift to expect the supernatural? Would you stand with me, if you will? As we come to prepare for communion, I want to put the Lord's Prayer up. And I want us to pray the Lord's Prayer together. And at the end of the Lord's Prayer, you may come for communion and ministry. And then when you're done, at your own heart, you feel free to slip out. But when you slip out, know this, listen carefully, you're slipping out into your calling. You're slipping out into the supernatural realm of where God is going to use you. Let Him use you greatly today. Be that person, be that every person, your home, your office. Let's pray together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Give a shout of amen. Hallelujah. You may come and partake of communion and prayer and your giving. Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church podcast. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there's anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next week for a brand new message. 